Hi, this is Carrie Wilt. I'm the great-great-granddaughter of Frances Hodgson Burnett, author of The Secret Garden. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, and 1. I'm Ryan Finley. They call me the Gangster Gardener from South Central Los Angeles. The difficulties of sourcing fresh food in South Los Angeles is... Um, There is none. See, I want to eat organic. I want all my food, I want everything around me organic, and that's not happening. You know, in in South Los Angeles, you can get liquor before you can get an organic apple. And all this, to me, is by design, because every community of color I go through across the nation, it's the same thing. That's why I started growing food on the street like I do. Well, my garden, which we call a parkway, is a strip of grass in front of my house. One of the first things I did was I planted some watermelons, and they came out amazing. It makes you realize where food actually comes from and what food is supposed to taste like, because a lot of the food that we have in the store, it tastes like nothing. But once you're in the garden and you pull that carrot out the ground and you wipe it off, you taste that earthiness and you taste the crunch and you taste the sweetness. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. Um, hello, testing camera. Yeah, uh, tilt up. There we go. Ellie is uh, on camera. Watch on uh, Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. While she's busy singing our theme song. Yeah, she got distracted by the theme song. That's pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. Just uh, wait. I'm still still head cut off. Okay. They'll work on that. Welcome to the show. Uh, you know, and I was, I was, I was about to say, "Hey, everything's going right. Everything's just, it's just smooth as silk. We're on on the internet. We're on the intertubes. We're we're on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. Uh, and for those of you, wow, this this, uh oh, yeah, this dinger needs a. That's better. There we go. Um, uh, if if you don't listen on the AM radio, um, or if you want some other way to listen, you can go to Facebook Live on Sunday mornings. Uh, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time, if you want to catch uh, the show. And some of you across the country get this uh, one-hour version of the Mike Novak Show. And uh, if you want to catch the two, oh, he's got to do it by hand. Okay, uh, don't fall down, Randall. All right, he's tilting the camera. Oh, that's what's going on. 
<laughs> Wait, we need to get Randall on camera. We uh, always talk about Randall. Nobody uh, ever can we gets get, to see Randall. Can, can we get some duct tape on that too, just to, to put it where it is? Look at that. That's that's Ooh. really high though. That's is she going to be able to adjust that? Okay. And now tilt down. All right. Uh, and that's the way it goes here. Uh, but uh, uh, you this can, is live radio. Live folks. radio, and you can. Uh, uh, listen to us live and watch us stream. We got video cams and everything, and uh, you get to see my shirt with the little bugs bugs uh, label on it. That's my name today, so just call me bugs. bugs in the studio. Very excited today to have Melinda Myers back on the show. She's becoming a real regular here. She's a gardening expert and multimedia star, and that's why we have her on the show um, to talk about stuff. And she's going to be. Uh, in the area, talking hydrangeas, but if you grow hydrangeas anywhere, mm-hmm. and I got a feeling we're going to chat with her also about some lawns, uh, some lawn care, maybe some touch on tree care. I'm going to ask her a question because I got a talk on Tuesday and, <laughs> and, I, need, and I need some advice. Need some hints. I need some tips. Uh, so uh, Melinda Myers uh, is going to be here. Uh, and then later on, very excited also to have Dr. Jack Gilbert. Um, he's with the Microbiome Center. All right, and 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 the first thing we have to do is explain what a microbiome center is, folks. It's germs, okay? It's really, we're talking germs because uh, he wrote. Uh, well, it's good bugs and bad bugs. Um, good bugs and bu- bad bugs. Uh, do you, oh, I don't have the name of his book here. I'm going to have to call it. Oh, you've got it right there. Dirt is good. The advantage of germs for your children's developing immune system. So, uh, Doctor. Jack Gilbert, Ph.D., will be here because he's part of the Harvest Moon Dinner, which is this Thursday. Mm-hmm. And Jack Organics Learning Center is doing this at Theater on the Lake. And the last time I was at Theater on the Lake was when I performed in it, back when it before they re- revamped the whole thing, when it was this crumbling wood thing and there was this electrical storm right outside. <laughs> Honest to goodness. Oh, dear. Uh, lightning went <laughs> as we're on stage. This huge lightning bolt hits just a few hundred yards away offshore. It was one of the scariest things I've ever participated. You know, and you could see people's hair standing on it, and you go, "Hmm, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good." It's on stage when you have lights and electrical stuff uh-huh. uh, all over the place. Yeah. So, but th- they fixed it, folks. It's much better now. So, <laughs> that's that's where we will be on that. Uh, Thursday, this Thursday. And Rick, uh, Rick DeMaio is going to be on with a lot of weather explaining Oh, my to do. goodness. He's got a lot of explaining, but i got to give him kudos. He got it right for the end of this past week, that cloudiness and rain. Dreary, he said yeah. last week. Dreary. And he was right. All right, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Melinda Myers coming up. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. 
If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that a couple of junipers and a lawn ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16th at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impactconference. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. I went up to Milwaukee to see my baby there. She worked out on Jones Island. Her aroma was so rare. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And unfortunately, Melinda Myers, I think this is now your theme song. I think it is, too. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm the, the aroma was so rare. The aroma was so rare. And uh, I guess we got to give a... a oops, sorry, I was just going to give a little ding there to uh, Milorganite. Uh, the good folks uh, at Milorganite, uh, because uh, I know you you support them, and uh, they're a sponsor of yours, and they've been a sponsor on this show, and uh, and that's where it's made in Milwaukee, and that's where you're calling from, right? You bet. It's uh, made. We thought it, they people think it's a beer and brats, but it's really Milorganite that made Milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> that made Milwaukee great. And the aroma famous. that made Milwaukee famous. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, how are you doing? You know, the last time uh, I saw you was uh, in Chicago at the the 2018 Garden Writers Association conference, and uh, I saw Melinda in the hall. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, Melinda, how are you? She goes, hi, Mike, how you doing? I uh, got to go. And that was it. That's it. Yeah, and I think I saw you for about 10 seconds less than Mike did, because yeah. I just came walking well- up. <laughs> Yeah, and I was running to give my presentation, so I didn't mean to be rude, but of course it was like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> now, what did, what presentation did you do there? How to build a profitable speaking business. Oh, um, uh, you know what? I guess I should have sat in on that. Oh, darn. Well, it well, it was it was a lot of fun sharing. You know, you and I share a lot and help each other out, and I think that's what it's all about in any profession: is colleagues helping each other mm-hmm. and. Sharing what we've learned along the way, and um, I learn a lot from my mistakes, and I'm not afraid to share those either. Uh, I'm glad to hear that because uh, that's all I do is make mistakes. So that's why I have. Ha- yeah, ha- they're great. <laughs> I bring on people like you so uh, they can correct me and uh, and get the right information. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but, it's, it's, but it's like gardening. It's all of us sharing the information, what we've learned, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I think is so great about gardeners and gardening, true gardeners. They're, they're about, hey, let me tell you what I learned, or hey, this didn't work for me. Why didn't it? Did it work for you? You're absolutely right. Is sharing. It's all about sharing and community. But I have something new on the show today, uh, and uh, you're, you get to participate in that, uh, Melinda. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, so I get called out sometimes uh, on this program. So if I say something really, really dumb, sometimes... Shut up, Wesley. All right, we get that. All right. But we have a new, we have a, we have a new one for, for when I say something really, really dumb. Uh, it goes something okay. like it goes something like this. This is not normal. Okay, we're we're just gonna <laughs> just just start playing. This is not normal. All right. Ooh, that's getting likes on Facebook. Is that is that? Uh, and or or sometimes I might have to play. That makes no sense. All right. So <laughs> if 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 even our former president is weighing in on the show, that makes no sense. Um, you know something's uh, going on. So. And and uh, there's <laughs> uh, there's there's one more though uh, that I have to play. It's it's the longer one. Um, where is it? It's here. Ah, here it is. Do not complain. Don't hashtag. Don't get anxious. Don't retreat. Don't binge on whatever it is you're binging on. Don't lose yourself in ironic detachment. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't boo. <laughs> And it's all it's all about gardening. It's it, he was talking completely mm-hmm. about gardening there. Hashtag thank you, Mike Novak. Do do not lose yourself in ironic detachment. I'm, who says that anyway? So, uh, but but sometimes I do when I'm when I'm gardening in my yard. I have to tell you, this morning was one of those things. Losing myself and not quite losing myself in ironic detachment. I cannot even make the trip from my back door into my garage and to my car without seeing five things that I need to do in the garden that didn't get done and haven't been done for like three months, okay? I was I was just walking by today. Oh, yeah, that plant never made it into the garage. Oh, I got to get that pile of brush out of there. Oh, oh, I meant to prune that thing. Yeah, it's still sitting there. It all there. sits there staring at it, you. It, it does. And, uh, and then I wave to it. Goodbye. I'm going to the show. I got to do a radio show about <laughs> gardening. Uh so, it, 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 and I'm kind of on the okay. I didn't quite get all these things implemented, so we're we're striving for a better start next spring. That's uh, been my motto this year. However, however, we are in the beginning of the fall. And by the way, when I do all that stuff, when I run to the car and I see all that stuff, that makes no sense. You know, that's that's exactly the way I feel. Uh, but well, here we are in the beginning of the fall. Uh, there are still there's still plenty of time to get a lot of things done, and I know that you're going to be talking uh, next week in the Chicago area, and we'll give a little plug for that in just a little bit. Oh, and and we we got hydrangea questions already pouring in, so let's start with that because that's the talk you're going to be doing is uh, on hydrangeas. I'll tell you what, why don't we just dive into a phone call? All right, let's just start. Let's get the pump primed here. Eight seven 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 eleven. 5611. If you've got a question or comment for Melinda Myers, we're starting Hydrangeas. Beth, you're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I'm so, so now that it's fall. Okay. Where, where are heard, you calling from, Beth? 
the northern suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Um, and I have a question about like winter care, fall care mm-hmm. for hydrangea, and I've been told different things by <laughs> master gardeners as to when to cut them down, if to cut them down for the winter. I've heard some you cut down, some you don't. Um, tardivas. So I'm confused. What is there a general rule that I could go by? Uh, let me the weather to cut hydrangea back for the for the winter. Beth, or here, wait till spring, or not to cut them. What I'm going to say is all of the above. Yes, okay, and 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 Melinda will agree with me because though here's the way these conversations about hydrangeas work. And Beth, you're my guinea pig here, and I appreciate you calling. Okay. Uh, I yeah, ass- I'm good for it. I, I, okay. <laughs> I assume you know what kind of hydrangeas you have. Do you? Yeah, kind of. More or less. Yeah. Okay, good. No, actually, you're 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 like ahead of ninety percent of the pack. All right, because uh, Melinda, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. This the the hydrangea questions at any gathering always start with somebody who comes up to you and says, "Hey, when can I prune my hydrangea?" And I always respond by saying, hey, what kind of hydrangea do you have? And then that person responds by saying, hey, I don't know. And then I say, hey, let's see if we can figure this out. All right. And that's where it goes. And, and Beth, your point is that you've heard different things. And that's because there are different situations for different hydrangeas. Right, Melinda? Well, and I'm, yes. And, and pruning in packs, flowering on some not others not and then also personal choice i like to leave things stand for winter i love the winter excuse me the winter interest that hydrangeas provide not everybody thinks it's pretty and um, so i like to leave things stand for winter so i can enjoy it and then do most of my pruning if needed in late winter you know and that's kind of that personal choice and then and then comes into the whole thing mike's alluding to is when do they bloom and on what type of growth do they flower? And do they die back to the ground and so you have to cut them back anyway? Yeah. So, so let's, go, let's go to uh, uh, Beth. Uh, you said you think you know what you have. Give us a sense of the ones that you're sure of. Um, I have a snowball. I have an endless summer. And I have a, something about lime, little lime. Lime light. Little lime. Mm-hmm. Oh, little lime? Is that, that's a lime Little light, lime. It? Yeah. yeah. Little limes. Of, and they did not bloom this year. That's a different it, question. It, 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 so let's just talk about pruning. The, I'm sorry. What, what was that, Beth, you said about the, what's a different they, question? The little limes did not bloom for me this year. Interesting. So do I cut them back? Were they, were they brand new? Were they brand new in your gardens? They're two years old. They bloomed the first year. I might have them in too much shade. That's, That's a what pop- I was thinking. Let's, let's start there. Uh, what do you think, Melinda? Well, one of the things is when we buy a, a, any any flowering shrub, it's usually in bloom because they forced it into bloom in the nursery. It's nice and filling that pot with all its roots so it goes, up. Oh, I'm mature, and it flowers. Then mm-hmm. we put it in the garden, and so what will happen is it puts the energy into the root system. So you may end up with a plant that bloomed the first year that you planted it because it was blooming when you already had it or it was already triggered to think, I'm mature, it's time to flower, but then the next year, it's putting all that energy into the roots. Um, little lime okay. is compact variety of limelight. It does like full sun to part sun. So if you're getting four okay. to six hours, you should be okay. I've put I've put them in pretty heavy shade and had good blooming, not 
as prolific as the ones in full sun. But I think it might be more mm-hmm. just that first, you know, to get putting energy into the, the root. The transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'll leave them be then for this year. Yeah, you know, I, that's what I would have done. I would say, you know what, let's give it a chance. I've I've had situations where, yeah, and this is something that happened, and I think we talked about it before, Melinda, several years ago. I I had to prune my oak leaf hydrangea. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, oh, yeah. it was just I have a very small yard, and it gets very big. Uh, <laughs> it really it really does. And I cut it back, and I thought I had done it right. And it did not bloom the next year. And I went, okay, I, you know, that's all right. I, I obviously uh, nipped off the buds, but it didn't bloom the year after that either. And I thought, uh-oh, now what? Uh, and then the following year, it came back rocking. I mean, it was just stunning. So sometimes I wonder if these plants just need to regroup. Uh, uh, have you seen that before, Melinda? Oh, yeah. And, you know, pruning not only removes growth, but it also encourages vegetative growth, leaf and stem growth. And so doing just the right amount at the right time is very critical. But I think patience, I keep saying, is the best tool gardeners can have, and it's the <laughs> hardest to use. And and you're right. Sometimes doing nothing, just take a deep breath, walk away, and go, I'm going to give it another year mm-hmm. or two sometimes. And then you're rewarded, like Mike was, with this prolific, beautiful floral display so yeah i'd give it another year especially since it's a new planting and if you think you're getting at least a half a day of sunlight and there's three of them and they did the same thing all right yeah that sounds yeah yeah i got a feeling you're you're i think you'll do well next year and and in a couple of years i'll bet it's going to be wonderful as long as you don't have to worry about nipping them back to to fit uh an area all right so what so so you had the little lime and what else did you say you ha- you had the uh, snowball? The big snowball one. The uh, big and, snowball and endless summer. Okay, so the snowball is uh, uh, probably an Annabelle. Um, um, yeah, uh, that's what I mean, Annabelle. Yeah. Yeah, har- it's uh, hydrangea arborescence is the uh, the full name, um, and those are pretty uh, flexible, aren't they, uh, Melinda? You bet. Um, probably when you, the only thing with pruning them wrong is just ending up with floppier growth usually. So a lot of people cut them back in fall because they think they look messy mm-hmm. and it won't hurt because they're so hardy. Um, I like to wait again till late winter, spring. That's a personal choice from aesthetics and then feeling mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, we get through the winter and if there's damage, you know, I'm doing it all at once. There are two ways to do it. You've probably taken them back to the ground and they'll re-sprout, but sometimes they're floppy because all that stored energy in the roots pushes growth up, and so you end up with a bigger plant, but it's floppy. The other option is to cut it back to about 15 inches, all the stems, then half of those right to the ground, and then the older stems help support the new growth, So and it's a little more even, so the plants don't get quite as overgrown, and they're a little more upright and less floppy. So either one works. Okay. It's more of an aesthetic value. Yeah, and and I've okay. done I've done that, and and that's the great thing about the uh, arborescence is that you can, and it, it, that's a plant that, that blooms on new growth, um. So that's one of the reasons. I mean, if it dies back, you don't have to worry because it's going to grow out, mm-hmm. and you're going to have the blooms anyway. But as Melinda says, if you leave some of the stems up there, it'll add a little bit of structure to the plant. Uh, what and so finally, the other one was endless bummer. I mean, endless summer. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> that makes no sense. All right, all right. Uh, tell us about your endless summer. 
Um, they're pink. They're lovely. They, they, they needed a little extra drink this summer. At um, some, at, well, before. only in the middle. I mean, I tell you, uh, early. Yeah, the hot, hot. We mm-hmm. had, yeah. right. Early, we had lots of rain. Late, we had lots of rain. We had like six weeks in the middle that it, that it got dry. But it was in the yeah. heat of the and, summer, right in the middle. And they showed it, and the yeah. others did not. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they flopped a little, and the, the other ones didn't, you know. Are those didn't. supposed to be pink, or are you getting them pink because we have alkaline soil here? Uh, do you think? I think they I think they could be changed, and I'm fine with the pink because it is seven, <laughs> seven and a half. So, and good for you because I'm fine you with it. A I like the pink. <laughs> what was that, Melinda? It's good she's happy with the pink. That's what I try to convince people. Trying to get them blue in our high pH soil is really challenging. So good oh, I didn't you. even try. No, I was fine with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and folks who live in other parts of the country, I mean, this is a continuing battle for folks uh, in our area here in. Illinois, it's very alkaline soil uh, up into Wisconsin, and uh, so your hydrangea that uh, could be blue or pink, depending on the soil pH, is going to be pink. In other areas that have lots of uh, acidity, uh, you will get blue. Um, Unfortunately, people tend to want blue, Uh, but that's, you know, you can manipulate the soil. Uh, However, uh, what would would your, we got like a minute here, Um, what was your question about your uh, endless summer? Well, specifically, I've read I should wait till it gets very cold to cut them back. I'm going to cut them back this winter because spring is too busy for me. <laughs> so I'm wondering, do I have to wait till it gets frigidly cold, like, you know, dormant cold, or could I cut them back today? 30 seconds, Melinda. I, would, I wouldn't cut them back today. I'd wait till they're dormant. Endless summer bloom on old wood if any of it survives. So those in milder areas may want to leave them stand for winter. Only prune out what dies over winter because you'll get the first flush of flowers on the old wood and the second flush on the new wood. Those in colder climates like Chicago, Milwaukee, they usually die back to the ground anyway because it's so cold. Mm -hmm. And then we get blooms and then new growth and then hopefully flowers. A good shot of malorganite because of the phosphorus that it releases from the soil and the non-leaching phosphorus it provides. All right. we got to take a break here. Hi, break. Beth, thanks for calling. you got a whole segment. How about that? It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. If it's fall, it's a great time of year to plant just about anything native. Once again, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is happy to team with Natural Communities Native Plants to encourage you to make a quick, easy change in the world around you by planting natives. Just like bulbs, native perennial plants installed in the late summer and fall develop their roots and get a head start in the spring. This helps cut down on weeding and gets you more mature plants with better blooms next year. Fall also usually brings more rain and cooler temperatures than the harsh summer, which helps get plants established. Make a difference right now that is going to last for years. Make the switch to natives, natural communities, native plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net and use the code MIKE. You'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Bring birds, bees, butterflies, and beauty to your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Now's the time to sign up for one of McHenry County's premier sustainability events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th Annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 3rd, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. 
This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Mike and I were there. And we know the expo is a fun way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Live most everywhere from Zanzibar to Barclay Square. Look, Patty's only seen the sights a girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a crazy pair! And I've decided I'm trying out new themes for you, Melinda. Will, will this one work? <laughs> I love it. I was just having a flashback to my childhood. <laughs> I know. It's just terrifying, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> and I knew all the words, so that is ah, even I, I knew you did, and I do I do too, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, welcome back to the that Mike Novak. stuff Nova. gets burned into your brain. Uh, I know. But if, you know, there's, there, they should not let kids, all right, you should not let a kid be between the age of about 8 and 12 anywhere near a television, all right, because... Every single jingle gets burned into your brain, and it never, I can sing. You know this, Peggy, because I've done this. I've done the 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 theme to my mother, the car. Okay, it was on TV for one, like half a season in 1968 or something like that. Oh my goodness! Oh dear. Uh, uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have Melinda Myers on the phone, and. You can find her at melindamyers.com, and that's spelled M-Y-E-R-S.com. Melinda is spelled in the traditional way, melindamyers.com, if you want information. And one of the things we didn't say at the beginning of the show is that uh, you are nationally known. You do radio, TV, columnist, books. Uh, have, you have over 35 years of horticultural experience, 20 gardening books. Uh, Melinda's Garden Moment is nationally syndicated on more than 125 TV and radio stations throughout the U.S. Uh, That leaves us with one question, Melinda, which is, what are you doing on this show? Okay, that's the... (laughs) Hey, because I love working with you two, and I like talking to your listeners, so that's what I'm doing on this show. It's always a hoot to be with you guys, and a lot of fun, and... You have loyal followers that I run into <laughs> well, everywhere I go. So. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, because, and there's only one response to that. This is not normal. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and neither are we, so it's yeah. all good. So there. So uh, I, I, I think we got out all that information. So if anybody wants to get a hold of Melinda. Oh, and you did the um, the Great Speaker Series. Uh, tell, tell us very quickly about that. So the Great Courses. The Great Courses. Company, I'm sorry. You know, I got that wrong, that's too. That's okay. <laughs> It's um, they usually do like philosophy and history and chemistry, and they invited me to do um, some of their gardening. So I did four mm-hmm. how to grow anything gardening series. 
um, containers, food gardening for everyone, make your trees and shrubs thrive, your best landscape and six lessons, which we know is just the starting point, but covering those basics mm-hmm. to help you be successful. So it was a lot of fun because I got to show not just lecture, but we did a lot of on-site videotaping. So we actually followed a couple landscapes. The last two I did, food gardening and trees and shrubs, I shot here in Wisconsin and the food gardening in my own backyard or my front yard actually where my garden is. So it was really fun because I finally got to fulfill that dream of showing people start to finish, showing Mm -hmm. gardeners so that you could actually look and watch and observe as well as me telling you things. And I shared my successes and failures along the way because I think we learn more from our failures as as gardeners so we can improve next year. So it was fun. And um, my recommendation is wait till they go on sale because they're kind of pricey, but they always have sales. You know, it's less money for me, but I don't care. I just want to get them out there so people learn. And, you know, Great Courses has wonderful, wonderful classes on everything, wine tasting, photography, you know, all kinds of cool subjects. So check out their catalog if you don't get it or go online. And it's great courses, not not great speakers, although you're Correct. you're a great speaker. And you and again, go to Melinda Myers dot com m y e r s now beth did us uh, all a favor uh, in the first segment because she we kind of went through the range of hydrangea topics there what did we miss the only thing i forget we i would have liked to have mentioned is with the panicle hydrangea which little lime lime light they have those big cone-shaped flowers mm-hmm. they also bloom on new growth as you mentioned with the annabelle and so you can prune them anytime during the dormant season. They need minimal pruning. When you read a lot of uh, books, you'll often hear people prune them back severely to get them to bloom. But what I've seen is so often when people do that is the new growth is very straggly. And so I really have found they perform well with minimal pruning, crossing branches. You can shorten the stems if you need to. Fortunately, the breeders are introducing a lot of smaller scale versions like the little lime, little lamb, and bobo that's only three feet tall. Hmm. Because I think so many people put limelight in and found out it gets to be eight to ten feet tall. That's pretty big, and a lot of people don't have the space for that. So (laughs) there's a lot of new varieties being introduced. Uh, Okay, I'll tell you one. I have my yard, and I don't even remember how I came by it. It's possible somebody gave it to me, or I just saw it and I liked it. And um, It's a, a hydrangea serrata. Um, which, um, and it's called blue billow and I didn't have any real expectations for it. I, I got it. I plopped it in the yard in kind of a prominent spot. Because uh, it's along the walk. Uh, it's one of the things I see on the way back to the garage. So, and, um, it, that sucker, all it does is bloom like crazy all summer long. Uh, and, uh, I get blue blooms and i get pink on the same shrub i don't know what maybe you know something about what that's all about they call them lace cap hydrangeas uh and they're similar to the macrophyllas which are you know the the nico blue and that and that sort of thing uh but slightly different uh and the other thing is i i i finally this year i just cut the sucker like to a nub in the middle of the summer because i just said it's too it's too big uh it had it had just finished flowering um, and I just cut it back till it was like sticks coming out of the ground. 
Mm-hmm. I'm walking back to the garage today. The thing is the most gorgeous little mound of hydrangea that wow. I've ever. It's perfect. It's you mean the leaves have all come back. Uh, I don't know if it's going to bloom at all next summer. I don't care. It probably will. I'll probably get some blooms out of it. I figure. I don't know. We'll see. Because I I did get it right after the it, its bloom, and uh, maybe I lopped off some buds, and maybe you know who knows. But even if it's a year, just looking that beautiful little uh, mound of lovely leaves, and they turn this these brilliant colors mm-hmm. in the fall. I mean, I don't know why everybody wouldn't have a hydrangea serrata. Do you have any experience with that? You know, I don't have any of those, but they're much hardier than the macrophylla um, for those folks in colder areas especially. There are varieties that are repeat bloomers, but also those that bloom on old growth, just like the uh, macrophylla or big leaf hydrangeas. So I'm probably and not going to get I, any blooms next year, but that's okay. I just said, I got to do this. Let's let's get this done. You might. You, may, you know, it may have been early enough or there'll be enough growth, but yeah. the good news is... They're a lot hardier, and it seems like they they tend to bloom more successfully, though a lot of the hybridizers are working on those for the north, the big leaf type for the north, that um, will be a little more reliable in terms of flowering. And the blue is from aluminum, so higher pH. We have aluminum, but it's tied up in the soil, and so the plant can't pull it in, so it's pink. And mm-hmm. in more acidic soil, the aluminum is more readily available, the plants pull it up, and that gives it the blue. And that's why you typically see people recommending aluminum sulfate to try to get it to turn blue. But aluminum can be toxic in extreme mouths, so you have to be careful. So right. I was happy when Beth said she liked pink. <laughs> it's a lot easier if that's the color you're going to get. That's great. And the other thing, uh, sometimes they call this mountain hydrangea, the uh, hydrangea right. serrata, which probably tells you something. Um, and I was looking at an article in Fine Gardening here, and they were saying the problems are gray mold, slugs, powdery mildew, rust, ring spot, virus, and leaf spots. <laughs> and, and I, and Perfect. I, I, except I scratched my head and said, I don't get any of that. None of it. I mean, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't think I'm uh, the best gardener in the world, but I've had that thing for uh, at least uh, half a decade without any problems at all. No, not a single one. And uh, I get, as I said, not only pink blooms, but blue bloom. I get purple blooms. I get everything uh, you can imagine. And it's a bee magnet. Uh, in in, the, in the, uh, the middle of the summer, I got bees, bumblebees. They, they go nuts over this thing. So that's, all, that's just kind of my observation in my own garden. Uh, I love that plant, um, and uh, I, I love the fact that it brings so much wildlife into my yard. And I and I think it, it because you have a small garden, and when I was in the city, every plant I had better provide lots of value. So if it's flowers and it brings in bees and butterflies or birds in the winter from the seeds, or if it has good fall color and flowers or fruit flowers and fall color. You know, as a small space gardener, I was always looking for multiple value. I still do, even though I have more room, but I can afford to have plants that give me a big show one season, kind of take the background as something else moves in. But, boy, looking for those plants that support pollinators and you with multiple seasons of beauty, those are great finds. So good. Yeah. I'm glad you that yeah uh okay uh we got a couple of minutes here and then we'll have be back be, 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 be back for this makes no sense that makes no sense okay all right i know that 
So keep <laughs> keep it to yourself, Mr. Obama, okay? <laughs> when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about lawns because we're right smack in that period if you live yeah. in the in the upper Midwest and you like your you like your lawn, you know how people, you know how I feel. Uh, my, yeah. my motto, when in doubt, rip it out. But uh, <laughs> if you're going to have a lawn, do it smart, do it right. I gave a talk the other day, was trying to explain to people how we get dead zones mm-hmm. in the Gulf of Mexico, and it has to do with fertilizer. All right, folks, that's that's <laughs> something you need to know. you got to be careful about how much fertilizer you put down because that runs out there. So we're at that point. Let's... let's uh, we actually have about two minutes. No, we got about a minute. We got 60. All right. So we're not even going to get started on that. But I imagine that you're, I know, in the time we have, give us uh, the uh, the details on your talk at Pesquazy next week. Well, we, you know, Beth started us off on hydrangeas, a hot topic, and I'll be at Pasquazy Home and Gardens in Lake Bluff next Saturday from 11 to 1. And I'm going to talk about not only hydrangeas, but plants that work well with mm-hmm. hydrangeas. Hydrangeas are so popular right now, and they can be that framework or backbone of our garden, and they can steal the show, but we want plants that look good with them. So I'm going to talk about annuals and perennials and other shrubs that combine nicely, so that just to give you some ideas of who works well next to that favorite hydrangea of yours. So just some tips <laughs> yeah. and suggestions and, it's, and answering questions. Of and that's Pasquazy Home and Garden, 975 North Shore Drive in Lake Bluff. All right, more with Melinda Myers when we return. Angelic Organics Learning Center celebrates its 11th annual Harvest Moon Dinner on September 13th with proceeds supporting the center's work to bring urban and rural people together to build our local food systems. Feast on a freshly harvested gourmet meal at Theater on the Lake that's designed by executive chef Cletus Friedman. Enjoy delicious delights from Bang Bang Pie and Biscuits, craft cocktails, live music by guitarist Mark Dvorak, photo ops with adorable farm animals, a live auction, a farm store, and more. Guests can also attend a VIP discussion moderated by Monica Eng of WBEZ with Jack Gilbert of the University of Chicago and Angelic Organics Association President Tom Spaulding. Dinner ingredients will be served at their peak freshness from sustainable sources. Join Mike, me, and a bunch of folks who love good local food at Theater on the Lake on September 13th. For tickets and information, go to learngrowconnect.org slash harvestmoon. Streets Alive returns to Main Street in Evanston on Sunday, September 9th from 1 to 5 p.m. And the Mike Novak Show is once again a proud sponsor. There's live music, crafts, pollinator, garden tours, bubbles, chalk art, painting, sports demos, delicious food from street vendors, and the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. As always, Main Street will be open for people to walk, bike, scooter, and skate. For details, visit EvanstonStreetsAlive.org. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. (laughs) 
And welcome to The Odd Couple. I don't know if it's Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak or Melinda Myers and Mike Novak. but I know. I, know. I was going to say, hmm. Which, which, which is The Odd Couple? And, uh, well, or like, Randall. And Randall might be the guy. Thanks, Mike Novak. Okay. And uh, welcome back to the show. We've got Melinda Myers uh, on for one more segment here. To, we're talking your garden questions, 877-711-5611. So if you want to get in you better do that quickly uh but we did sort of launch into the whole idea of lawns and generally uh, in my experience and uh, depending on the weather and so forth and you know if if i i told people a couple of weeks ago i said uh hey this is the time get your your lawn seeded and if they did they're thanking me right now because all we did was have r- rain all week uh, to help the germination, uh, that would have been perfect. And now that the temps are cooler, I mean, I can't think of a, a better scenario. Can you, Melinda, for having put in a lawn? Oh, you're absolutely right. And a lot of it is a little bit, you know, this is the best time to seed a lawn, you know, middle of August through the middle of September for those of us in the Midwest and the North. And even those in the South that are doing warm season lawns, you know, the soil's warm, the air is getting cooler, so it's easier on the plants to get established. Um, the steady rainfall we've had, perfect, means less work on your part. And, you know, I kind of said I'm putting off a lot of projects till next spring, but because the soil's warm and the air is cool, it's a great time not only to take care of your lawn, but get a lot of your tree shrubs and perennials in the ground as well. And those in the south and warmer climates, you know, winter is easier on the plants than your summers, and so this is a great time. And for lawns, fall is the time to really get them in good shape so you have much less work and fewer problems in the future. Do you deal much? I know you're you're kind of a Midwest uh, person and do a lot, but obviously uh, you're a national figure as well. Uh, what do you tell folks about uh, working on their lawns at this time of year? Now, it, people in the South are growing different kinds of of grass than we are up here. We love the you know the the cool season grasses, the 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 fescues and the and the Kentucky bluegrass, those kinds of deals. Uh, but in the South, it's 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 another ball game. I go visit uh, Kathleen's relatives in Oklahoma, down in like Norman, Oklahoma. And I go, uh, wow, what's that? <laughs> you know, I'm looking at, yeah. the, at the turf. It's, it seems so different than it does up here. Yeah, and a lot of the Southerners will also, it, it, to, sorry to talk about you guys, like a different race of people, so, you know, population of Southerners. But for us, that grass is so different. The centipede, the Bermuda, the St. Augustine, right. that mm-hmm. grass is the hot weather grass that thrives for you in the heat of your summer, then the cooler winter temperatures come. And so a lot of southern gardeners will overseed with uh, like a fescue or perennial ryegrass, more like a perennial ryegrass that will give them the green of the winter or even an annual rye that disappears then when the weather gets hot. And so they have green all year. So they're kind of doing a little bit of an annual perennial lawn in that case. You know, we're fertilizing now because our grass is going to continue to grow, put down a lot of root growth and spread. And those of you in warmer climates need to make sure you don't fertilize warm season grasses. Give them at least six weeks between your last fertilization and your first expected hard fall frost. So if you're overseeding, good time to fertilize. Um, And then you just want to make sure you're not stimulating a lot of growth right before a good hard freeze. Mm and and this is where, and I'm going to put a plug in for Melorganite for any place you garden because it's low nitrogen, mm-hmm. slow release, 
so it doesn't push excessive top growth, but it encourages root growth. It's 85% organic matter. So, you know, when you buy fertilizer, it's not 100% nitrogen. We'd kill our plants if it was. But all this stuff in there that fills and and takes up that space to spread out the nutrients in Mm -hmm. malorganite, it's organic. So you're feeding your soil as well. And so that's a really nice... um, you know, it's a really nice fertilizer because you're not promoting top growth. Research shows fall fertilization, uh, especially for cool season grass, is the biggest benefit because you encourage root growth and denser growth. And it's when we tend to have fewer disease problems, so you're not promoting lush growth when the disease organisms are out there. You're helping your lawn recover from the stress. And even one fertilization can reduce your weeds by as much as 50%. So... If you think about having something green to keep your feet from getting muddy, right? The reason <laughs> some of us have lawn. Yes. Um, and you don't care if you have a few weeds, but you want to keep them down, especially if you're in an urban area and your neighbors don't want your weed seeds. You know, fertilization is your first step to improving your lawn before you break out the weed killers. You know, get your lawn in shape. Take care of what's causing the weeds. You know, is it too much shade? Then you're growing the wrong grass, or you need to do ground covers instead. You know, uh, if it's compacted, aeration is the best thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what what you're talking about is really important, and that is have your lawn outcompete the weeds. And and one of the ways you do that is overseeding. I think people forget that uh, they need to put. If a plant disappears, if it dies, if it goes away, you have to replace it with something. And they just assume that oh well, the lawn will spread. Well, not all grass varieties spread, and not all of them spread quickly. So you, if you're going to outcompete the weeds, you have to have grass plants. And I think that's part of what you're saying. And you're saying, and to keep those grass plants healthy, you fertilize. Now, I will say I'm one of those guys who thinks that four times a year is nuts, all right? I just think that's it's overuse of fertilizer, and that's when we have dead zones in the Gulf of Mexico. My feeling is... I like, and so other people who, who promote natural lawn care say this, once a year in the fall mm-hmm. is is the best time to do it. If, if you're sort of a low-maintenance person, that's a good time. But just make sure you keep up with the overseeding. Oh, Peggy's got her hand up. Go ahead, Peggy. Well, I was just going to ask for basic definition for some people who might not know what you mean by overseeding. overseeding. Yeah. Well, that's basically getting your, your grass seed and throwing it on the lawn, even if you have a lawn established already, so that you have more grass, you have more germination and more grass plants spring up. Um, and uh, it's a way to keep your lawn lush. And, I, and that's why I think some people fall down on the job, because they, they're willing to fertilize, they're willing to, uh, to pull weeds and so forth, but they forget that they have to have grass plants as well. Would you disagree with that, Melinda? No, I agree wholeheartedly, and I'm a big low-maintenance lawn person as well, and fall is the best time to fertilize. The other thing is leaving your grass clippings on the lawn. Yes. They break down, and it's equal to a whole fertilization, a season worth of grass clippings. So right there, now you have two fertilizations. One, you actually put fertilizer down. Two, you're just recycling the grass clippings where they belong on the lawn. And then keeping your lawn healthy, so overseeding is one option. And then the other thing is looking at if your lawn continues to die in the same place, what's wrong? Is it too much shade? Use yeah. a shade mixed ground cover. Is the soil compacted? Aerating to open up that soil, especially if you have clay soil, 
And if you didn't prep it right or you've had a lot of foot traffic, kids playing, you drive your mower over the same spots all the time, you know, the tire tracks in the same space, you compact that soil. Opening it up is going to help also. And that's a good way to aerate before you overseed so you get good seed to soil contact if you're overseeding, putting grass seed over your existing lawn. For those dead spots, rake up the dead grass. I like to mix a handful of grass seed in a bucket, like a mop bucket full of topsoil, mm-hmm. mix it together and sprinkle that over, and you've got your own lawn patch kit that you made yourself. <laughs> yeah, or, or compost, or, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh, I, yeah, for compost, exactly. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, and mow high and don't water lightly every day. You know, don't turn on your sprinkler for 15 minutes every day. That's crazy. Water deeply once a week, uh, and you'll have a better lawn, and you'll have it uh, more natural. I, I was going to ask you more stuff. We're out of time. I'll remind people okay. that Melinda is going to be at Pasquese Home and Garden, 975 North Shore Drive in Lake Bluff, next Saturday, September 15th, 11 to noon. You drag her off the stage afterward <laughs> and you say, hey, I got questions for you. Uh, and go to MelindaMyers.com. Always a pleasure, Melinda. We'll talk to you again soon. Always. That sounds great, you guys. Have a good rest of your weekend and everyone that's listening as well. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. This is not normal. All I need is good tools to make what? music porches. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is not normal. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, we got a couple of questions that have come in. Um, we'll get to in just a second. Uh, one of them is from... Uh, friend of the show, Sarah Batka. Uh, but uh, let's do a quick uh, hit for uh, uh, playtime with Bill Turk and... Carrie Kendall. Very good. Uh, because we never get around to it, and uh, I always forget. So uh, let's... Who do they got on so, today? Well, they get a ding. It's their one-year anniversary of playtime. Well, well of course we got to give them a, a hit today, the one-year anniversary. Wait, hold on. I've got... I've... With Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. Uh, with Bill Turk and... Carrie Kendall. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, no, the horn. <laughs> oh, it's not working. You can eat new ones for New oh, Year this year. I could have to buy. Well, yeah, I think, well, it cost me almost like 30 cents, I think. 
<laughs> That's dead. All righty. So on today's show, Bill and Carrie are talking with Randy Richardson and Becky Suarte Maxwell from the Chicago Writers Association. Legendary. <laughs> Whoa, drunken monkey. <laughs> Local acting great George J. Manisco and well, music by Demetrius Triplett and Vince Sandry. But you know what? You know why that went and didn't work? Why? Hashtag blame Bill. Hashtag blame Bill. And I've also been, so when I do hashtags on Facebook now, I usually put hashtag blame Bill, hashtag blame Mark Zuckerberg. So hashtag thank you, Mike Novak. Exactly. You got to put, and, and the, the, you know, because you. Uh, do not complain. Can't complain. Don't hashtag. Don't hashtag. Don't get anxious. Don't get anxious. Don't retreat. Don't binge on whatever it is you're binging on. Uh, coffee? Don't lose yourself in ironic detachment. Ironic detachment? Don't put your head in the sand. Oh, no. no. Boo? Don't, boo? Don't boo. 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 Uh, okay, so uh, tune in to Playtime with uh, Bill Turk. Right and... here at 1 o'clock. Carrie Kent. <laughs> you just ruined it. There. Come on. Let's, let's get with the program. Bill Turk and... Carrie Kent. There we go. All right. Uh, we had two questions come in. One is the easy one from uh, our buddy Sarah Batka um, from uh, Illinois Extension. She wants a cutting of my plant, of that hydrangea. Sarah Batka, just for you, darling, I'm going to do that. And here's, I don't even need to do a cutting because the it has extended itself a little mm-hmm. bit in the yard. You know, it it's been there for several years, and it reaches out and tries to grab other plants. And Grabs your ankle as you're walking to the garage. I can take a shovel and go kachunk and dig up a part of it that has roots attached, and you will have an instant plant. So you have to remind me to do that. I'll probably, re- you know, it'll be one of those things next week, and then three <laughs> weeks from now, as I'm, remind w- you. when I'm walking to the garage past the plant, I go, oh, yeah. Kathleen I, and I will remind you. I haven't dug that up for Sarah Batka yet. Okay, so Sarah, you're getting a, you're getting a little cutting. Of that, yeah, it's, I'm telling you, I it's my favorite hydra. Mm-hmm. Well, no, my oak leaf hydrangea is my favorite, but it's so huge. This is the bee's favorite. This is the bee's yeah. favorite. So we really. got a question from Linda as well. She wants to know when is a good time to cut back hibiscus. All right, now see, here's the deal. Do you have a hardy hibiscus or a tropical hibiscus? Now I'm assuming she's saying tropical. I'm going to assume this because har- hardy hibiscuses, hibiscus, hardy hibiscuses. That doesn't... Uh... Hibiscus. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. We got this two minutes. This is not minutes. normal. Okay. All right. All right. Right. <laughs> and it probably makes no sense. That makes no sense. Okay. Uh, hardy hibiscuses, basically, you, do, you prune them back in the spring. Here's, if you're like me, you take it outside in the, and when it gets close to summer. And they're actually fairly... Uh, they'll handle cool weather. I have found that a hardy... That a tropical hibiscus uh, will handle... You know, quite quite down to forty five or something like that. It's 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 not one of those uh, things that just melts immediately when it gets cold. Uh, they're pretty tough, but you can't keep them out for the winter because they'll die, of course. Um, but a hardy hibiscus, you can. Uh, what I do sometimes if I let it, let it out all summer and it grew like crazy, when I bring it in, I might snip off. Uh, oh, uh, I might snip off. Um, a, a branch or two just so I can fit it somewhere in the living room. But I don't do a major pruning because that's not the time. You don't want to do it then. You want to do it in the spring. You want to do it like I've heard as early as February, you know, February, March. Uh, then you cut it back. And then as the days get longer, uh, you'll get that, that good, healthy growth. And then you put it back out in May or whenever in your backyard and uh, you're ready to rock. So uh, if it's a hardy 
uh, hibiscus, eh, you don't really need to do too much because they die back and they come back. And usually you just do it to kind of get it out of the way of other plants. But a tropical in a pot that you're going to bring in, don't prune it now unless you're just trying to fit it into your living room or your bathroom or wherever you put it. Uh, wait till the spring. Wait till uh, late February, or early March, something like that, and you should be fine with that. Okay, what's the other thing? Finally, oh, yes, let's not forget the, the uh, registration opens for the fall 2018 Open Lands Tree Keepers course. Tree Keeper number four, 417. Yes, 417, reporting for duty. This is not normal. And um, and you can, um, this, uh, let's see, the classes are going to be held from September 16th to October 11th, Sundays uh, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Thursdays from 6 to 8.30 p.m. at Wells Park Fieldhouse, which is where Kathleen's brother lives, right there, and he coaches in the Wells Park. Uh, that's at 2333 West Sunnyside in Chicago. It's 128 bucks, but you'll learn a ton of stuff. And so the registration period closes next Saturday. You still got time to, to do this. Go to openlands.org. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More when we come back. It's fall, and it's a great time of year to plant just about anything native. Once again, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is happy to team with Natural Communities Native Plants to encourage you to make a quick, easy change in the world around you by planting natives. Just like bulbs, native perennial plants installed in the late summer and fall develop their roots and get a head start in the spring. This helps cut down on weeding and also gets you more mature plants with better blooms next year. Fall also usually brings more rain and cooler temperatures than the harsh summer, which helps get plants established. Make a difference right now that's going to last for years. Make the switch to natives, natural communities native plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net and use the code MIKE. You'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. So bring birds, bees, butterflies, and beauty to your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that uh, a couple of junipers and a lawn just ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16 at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impact conference. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO.
That is Mark Dvorak, maybe Dvorak, I don't know, because that's the composer I've always heard, Dvorak, but it all depends on how Mark likes his name pronounced. Uh, And he's going to be at the Angelic Organics Learning Center's Harvest Moon Dinner this Thursday, September 13th, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. theater on the Lake 2401 North Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. You know, if you ever have driven up Lakeshore Drive, you're going north. It's at Fullerton. That's that building right that juts out into the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, the last time I was in that building was in a performance of the front page, um, uh, the Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur play uh, that I did with the Next Theater Company. Based uh, in, they were. I, you know, I don't know even know if they exist anymore in Evanston, uh, but uh, I performed there. It was uh, a, a remarkable experience because it was in the middle of a thunderstorm. Uh, and, and that was a scary time, but they fixed the place up now. They've even got an executive chef there, uh, and, and he's going to be, uh, part of the proceedings. And basically this is all to, uh, advance the mission of Angelic Organics Learning Center. You can find out more at www.learngrowconnect.org slash harvest moon. Um, there's going to be... Uh, at the uh, the event this year, uh, the Learning Center's uh, is going to be celebrating its new lodge mm-hmm. camp and retreat facility, uh, which is very very cool. Uh, there's a VIP discussion moderated by my nemesis Monica Ang of uh, WVEZ, uh, <laughs> and maybe maybe uh, she is uh, not exactly my nemesis. That makes no sense. Okay, you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> and uh, But, uh, no, I, I love Monica, and she's going to be doing the VIP thing. And one of the people she's going to be talking to is a guy named Dr. Jack Gilbert. Now, you can get in on this conversation if you go to learngrowconnect.org slash harvestmoon, and you get your VIP ticket because there's a dinner, of course, because this is all about freshly harvested mm-hmm. food. Um, and, and Peggy and I are going to be there because... We're part of the committee. Uh, they, notice they We're didn't actually listed as the part the, of the committee, the honorary committee. And uh, last year, I was an auctioneer there. I noticed that they didn't ask me to do that again this year. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> just as well. Uh, but so there's the dinner. There's there's uh, the VIP discussion. Uh, there's 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 all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of things. There's um. Uh, Live and silent auction. There's a prize wheel. There's a farm store. Adorable farm animal photo ops. That's that's my favorite part when they say, and they use the word adorable. Adorable. They had these cute goats there last year. That's true. You were interviewing a goat. Uh, you, you you interviewed a goat. Last I believe I did yes, inter- interview did. a goat because somebody was carrying it, and I mm-hmm. and I and I put the microphone up yeah. there, and it bleated. So <laughs> right on right on cue. But all the proceeds are supporting the learning center's work to bring urban and rural people together to build our local food systems. And as I said, guitarist Mark Dvorak is going to be there as well. But yeah. uh, the reason we're talking today, or or the person we have today, the, the reason we're doing this is because we're going to be there on Thursday. But we want to welcome. Uh, to the program today, Dr. Jack Gilbert. He's the faculty director of the Microbiome Center at the University of Chicago, professor in the Department of Surgery at the University of Chicago Medicine, senior scientist uh, adjunct at Marine Biological Laboratory, and group leader in microbial ecology at Argonne National Laboratory. 
Hokey smokes. Uh, Dr. Gilbert, welcome to the program. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. That's quite a resume, all right? You're kind of a young guy, all right? I've seen your, your videos. <laughs> so uh, congratulations. You do a lot of stuff. But what I have to ask folks, or I ask you so that folks can understand, you wrote a book last year called Dirt is Good, The Advantage of Germs for Your Child's Developing Immune System. And you went there already, uh, meaning that uh, when I look up all your stuff, I see microbiome and I see that's those kinds of words. But you went straight to the heart of the matter. And on your book title, you said the word germs. Um, can you tell me the difference between <laughs> the microbiome and the, the world of germs? Is there a difference? Yeah, absolutely. So 150 years ago, we finally figured out that bacteria uh, in the world around us were actually making us sick. And so we, we spent the last 150 years trying to kill as many bacteria as possible, um, both in our hospitals and in our homes, um, to try and eradicate disease, right? Make, make it go away. Um, and uh, what we've actually found is that uh, we live in a microbial world. I mean, there, there, are, there are one times 10 to the 30 um, uh, uh, bacteria on the planet. That's, that's about a, a, a trillion, trillion more mm-hmm. bacteria than there are stars in the known universe. Um, and our bodies contain some 30 trillion. About half a pound of your body mass is made up of just bacteria. And it turns out that most of them are incredibly essential for our health. And if we mm-hmm. don't get exposure to the right kinds of bacteria, um, then our immune systems and our bodies start to uh, function inappropriately. They don't work as like they're supposed to. So, yeah, there's a big difference between the concept of germs uh, as disease-causing organisms, right, and, and you know, what we would class as germs that are important for how our bodies function and, and how we embrace the world. Uh, but I'm sure you would agree that in some ways it's all of a piece. It's all the same thing because I talk about this when I talk about gardening in the yard and this, you know, and, and what you do and what we do here really overlap. Uh, because if you have, uh, we talk about the soil food web on this show and you, and you would know about that because it's, it's all of the micro and macro uh, sized uh, critters that are in your compost, which end up in your soil um, whether it's bacteria or fungi or nematodes or insects or slugs or worms or whatever you've got there. And most of it's microscopic, but some of it's mac- macroscopic. And when all of that is in balance, when you, when you don't, if you're not overrun by certain bad guys, um, then everything works in harmony and you can grow plants and you can grow healthy plants. And this is what I tell people is that what you're trying to do is strike a balance. So when you talk about germs, uh, good germs and bad germs, is it the same thing that you're just trying to strike a balance in nature so that human beings can be healthy? Absolutely. Uh, In fact, growers, farmers, um, gardeners in general have understood this concept for a lot longer than the vast majority of people have. So, we do a lot of work in, in agriculture and you know, the natural environment, trying to determine how to strike that balance, how to make sure that you have just enough of the good guys that you can outcompete the bad guys and make the system work properly, right? And so what we tend to do is try and do that in human beings. 
mm-hmm. um, so we can, you know, strike a right balance for health. Make sure the kids grow up healthy. Make sure that the our hospitals are healthier. Make sure that people can recover from disease much faster. And you know, we've we've tried to go too far in one direction for so many years to towards total eradication, right? And now we're we're starting to realize that bringing it back to natural balance, natural holistic microbial medicine uh, can actually be incredibly important. Uh, and this is this is not a fringe concept. This has become a mainstream. Uh, medical concept mm-hmm. uh, with uh, you know hundreds of millions of dollars invested every year. Yeah. So you're the director of the Microbiome Center, which is uh, part, uh, part University of Chicago, uh, part Argonne, and part um, the Marine Biological, the Marine Lab Biological. from yeah. University of <laughs> Chicago. So, so that was actually put together under the Obama administration. What is your overall charter? Where, where are you looking to take this project? Yeah, so what we did was just bind together people working in many, many different fields. Everyone who's interested in some way in the role that microbes can play in in helping them to understand their particular field of science, mm-hmm. we just bound them all together under one umbrella. So we have clinicians, we have ecologists working in soils and in marine systems, we have people looking at climate change, we have people trying to understand how to make foods more secure, so food security both local and national. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it was uh, the Obama administration that put the program in place that allowed us to, uh, to secure investment at a scale that's important. And recently, uh, the Duchess Soir family, who will be present at the uh, Angelic Organic event, um, uh, put in a $100 million investment uh, to help um, uh, accelerate microbiome research at the University of Chicago to improve wellness. And part of that wellness is getting people to embrace um, the environment, embrace gardening, embrace farming, and get re-educate people in, in the right kinds of foods to eat, as well as the lifestyle choices they should be making. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that the, the Duchessois are involved. I've, I've worked with them uh, in the past, and, uh, and it's important to have that kind of support. I mean, you need, you need governmental support, you need private support, obviously, um, can I let me ask you about uh, the book uh, "Dirt Is Good: The Advantage of Germs for Your Child's Developing Immune System"? That came out just last year. Uh, what, what's been the reaction to that book? Yeah, so we wanted to write this book um, myself and my colleague Rob Knight from the University of California, San Diego, um, because we're both parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both know a lot about the role of um, microbes in human health. Um, and we, uh, when we started out as parents, uh, my, my eldest son is now uh, nearly 12. When we started out as parents, we, we knew very little um, uh, about human health and about childhood health in, in that way. And so we were, we were disadvantaged when dealing with clinicians, when uh, bringing our children up in a way that we didn't want other people to be. So we wanted to put all of the knowledge that we've garnered over the last 20 years into a, into a book that was accessible to parents so that they could get the right information on how to bring up their children effectively. And uh, because we have short attention spans, <laughs> me especially, um, we wrote it as a question-answer book, right? So I get hundreds of questions from yeah. parents and children and you know, uh, even adults in general about what they can do to make their world healthier for their children and for themselves. And so we, we basically answered the questions in the book, providing advice, 
on everything from probiotics to diet, from, you know, what should I do if my doctor tells me this to, uh, to you know, how should I, uh, what kind of uh, way should I, could I introduce dogs to my child? What kind of way should my uh, children interact with animals? <laughs> yeah, All I, these really important facets. I like your point of, uh, should I get a dog? Yes, and the sooner the better. <laughs> and you've got a great yeah, video exactly. out there as well. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and so why? Talk, yeah, yeah, why? Why? Why do you want a dog as soon as possible? Well, we've uh, we have a shared history with dogs over the last ten to twenty thousand years of our um, of our development as a species, right? So, uh, the dogs that we grew up with as a species have actually shaped our immune system and how it responds to the world. And it turns out that for many people in the world, many peoples, uh, societies, and cultures, um, their immune systems are actually trained to expect to see dog bacteria. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, right? But <laughs> mm-hmm. our, our babies and our children are growing up in a, in a world where their, their immune systems are primed to um, expect to see those kind of bacteria. And when they don't see them, um, the immune system can overreact. It can, it can say, well, hey, the, I, I, missed a, I missed a trick. I, I missed something. And, and now I don't know how to respond to the world properly. And so, you know, what we do is we actually can introduce dog bacteria back into a child's life. It can play a major role in helping their immune system to become properly educated the way it's adapted to do so over the last 10,000 years. So it makes perfect sense. But your child needs to physically interact with the dog, you know, get dirty and sit down with the dog (laughs) microbes. Yeah, and don't worry if the dog's licking your child. Oh, that's that's the best kind of inoculation you can possibly get. Right? Um, it may sound gross. You may be uh, squirming about the kind of dog bacteria and whether dogs lick, but that is incredibly important for your child's developing immune system. What? Um, and, you know, dirt is good is, is maybe, a, you know, a strange title, but the idea is that there are, there are important sources of microbes in the world that we need to get access to, that we need to experience in order to grow up healthy. Uh, we have a couple of minutes before we break, but we'll continue the conversation after that. The question I want to ask before we break, though, uh, Dr. Gilbert, is, is there a point of no return uh, when you're growing up? How early do you need to be, I, well, I imagine from the get-go, you want to be exposed to these bacteria and, and, and germs and microbes of all kinds. Uh, what's the point at which they stop doing any good for you? Yeah, so this is it's a really difficult concept, right? Um, what what if my child missed the kind of exposure that, that you're talking about, right? Uh, you know, if they didn't have a dog, if they didn't think, maybe they've got allergies, maybe they've developed asthma. Um, is there any way I can uh, introduce microbes at a later stage in their lives in order to help them? There is some evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, when a child is sick um, or an adult is sick, then the introduction of certain bacteria probiotics can be beneficial in helping them to overcome that disease. It doesn't always work, um, and there's some evidence that it could be harmful. But, yeah, we think there's a role to play in later exposure. And when, you, when you're getting older, gardening can be incredibly powerful in helping to regulate your immune response, to reduce inflammation, to help your brain function more effectively. Um, and we think that it's in part due to the exposure you get to the microbes in the soil that help shape your immune system, uh, even as you're go- growing old. So, yeah, there, there really isn't an end point. There isn't a point of no return. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, sometimes when I'm gardening, if I'm not using sharp tools, I'll just take the, the garden gloves off. 
And uh, it's, Absolutely. you know, I love that tactile sensation of, of just clawing in the earth. All right, that is uh, Dr. Jack Gilbert, faculty director at the Microbiome Center. He's going to be uh, at the Angelic Organics Learning Center Harvest Moon Dinner. We're going to have more with him in just a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. Please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. And of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. What is this? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Well, I feel so broke up. (laughs) I want to go home. Nope, you got another half hour. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that's actually Sloop John B. Again, Mark Dvorak, mm-hmm. who is going to be performing at the Angelic Organics Learning Center's Harvest Moon Dinner this Thursday, September 13th, 5 to 9 p.m., Theater on the Lake, 2401 North Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. More information at learngrowconnect.org slash harvestmoon or just go to mikenovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K dot net. I was, I was stunned. I saw the name and I went, wait a second. I think I've got a CD of this guy. And yep. And you um, found it. I, <laughs> I can't even believe I found it. How about that? <laughs> so uh, that's, that's where we are. And we're having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Jack Gilbert, uh, the faculty director of the Microbiome Center at the University of Chicago. And he is going to be at the VIP session. So if you want to hear all the, you know, you've got questions about your kids and dirt and digging in the dirt. Um, he's going to be there with Monica Ang, who's going to moderate the VIP session on Thursday. And you might want to be part of that. So, whoops, I didn't mean to bring that up. I meant to, oh yeah, well, he's still playing. What can I tell you? All right. Um, 
And uh, let's go back to that conversation, uh, uh, Dr. Gilbert. Um, we we kind of went down, and we tend to do this as a society. Uh, you know that as a scientist. Uh, again, let me let me bring in a horticultural reference. Back in the eighteen uh, hundreds, we thought that all of our nutritional needs can be and and are growing could be addressed by uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium (NPK), which are the primary. Uh, ingredients in a bag of fertilizer. And we said, oh, mission accomplished. We're done. And then, you know, 100 years later, we go, well, wait a second. We really weren't paying attention to micronutrients. And, oh, yeah, there's that thing called biology. That kind of plays a role in this. And so we we tend to do these things. I think of the 50s and my Mm -hmm. mom, um, who loved frozen food. You know, the, the freezer was stuck Stouffer's frozen all, dinners. All this, oh my, TV dinners. Oh my goodness, and they were awful. And yet, it was convenient. And this is what this was technology. And so we do tend to go down those paths. And we did the same thing with uh, microbes and the idea that everybody's got a hand sanitizer in their in their glove compartment and bleach and spray and, and, cleaners. And we go nuts and. And, and and it sounds to me, what you're saying is that what we were doing is we were killing off some of the stuff that keeps us alive. Is that right? Yeah, it's even worse than that, actually. Um, most of the uh, our buildings, right, we, we try and keep them as dry as possible because otherwise molds can grow and molds can make you sick. But um, when we sterilize um, our homes, we actually actively promote the growth of or the survival of bacteria mm-hmm. that are actually harmful for us. Really, <laughs> it's the worst catch two situation you've ever seen. Yikes! Um, what we what we found is that by opening windows, um, bringing pets and plants back into homes, we can actually significantly reduce the abundance of bacteria that are harmful to us in the homes. So uh, it's, it's like you know you've been trying to kill them off for years, but you can't. You're actually making them stronger. It sounds and when count- they get stronger, counter- You can't get rid of them. It sounds counterintuitive. You're saying by opening the window. It is. All right. Yeah, we're actually bringing, we're getting, by opening the window, you're getting rid of the, the worst bacteria. Well, you're actually swamping them out, ah. right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're letting bacteria from the outdoors inside. And when you do that, you actually swamp out the bad guys. Yeah. They can't compete in the, you know, with a the, with the massive onslaught of, uh, of a really diverse environment. And I would, um, you know, and there's, there's balance. I'd imagine there's, if there's you. times when it's not appropriate, but, you know, it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, along that theme, I'd imagine if you were spending a lot of time outdoors in the garden and outdoors in more natural spaces versus walking down the sidewalk, probably when you come in, your microbiome, you know, is going to have more of those good pieces as well. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you will acquire microbes on your clothes and your hair and your lungs, in your, in your mouth from those interactions with the world. And then you bring them inside. So, yeah, but there's a reason sometimes that we, we can have lower immune responses, lower inflammation in our body when we when we take walks in woods. You know, the, the idea that there's wood therapy, the idea that, you know, uh, uh, taking a walk in a forest can be uh, beneficial. Um, it actually has a uh, an immune element to it uh, based on the interaction with microbes in that environment. You know, what you're illustrating for us is that a little knowledge is a dangerous thing because if people, the average person, not a scientist like you, not somebody like me who's talked to scientists over the years, but the average person hears you say you're inhaling millions and billions of bacteria and they freak out, basically. They, they, 
but they what they don't realize is that they've been doing it with every breath of their lives. So this little bit of information sends them spinning, spiraling into <laughs> into uh, into disaster sometimes. So how do you get over that? Yeah, I mean it's you know the, the commercial world has advertised um, a uh, a set point which they assume people wanted to know, right? Kill all organisms because people are paranoid about organisms, and that's a self perpetuating reality, right? It's it's a self fulfilling prophecy. You just basically make people kill more organisms in the world and the, and the microbes in their homes. Um, yeah, it, it, a lot of it's about trying to overcome that germophobia trying to provide people with the information that they can use to make an, the correct decision. And, you know, uh, yeah, we're not so good at dealing with evidence-based information in the, in the current climate, but um, mm-hmm. we're trying to provide people with it in a way that's accessible so that they can reach their own conclusions. And for the most part, it's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty logical, right? You know, people know that, you know, when they played in the dirt, that they, they, it made them healthier as children. That was an old adage, and we yeah. just need to bring it back into the reality of our world. Here's here's the difficulty with that, uh, and and again, speaking from what I've talked about on this show, and that is we live in a world of synthetic chemicals, of toxic chemicals, and some of them get into our soil. So in in an urban area, you're likely to have lead. You might have uh, other things, strontium. Uh, you might, you know, it it goes on and on. Arsenic is a possibility. And the the avenue by which children get that into their systems is playing in the dirt, dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're doing a community garden, you like to cap some. If you've got a lot of lead in the soil, you, you cap it, and and with uh, with uh, cardboard or fabric or whatever, and then you put fresh soil on top, which is safe. Uh, but putting a child down in an area that's contaminated with lead and letting him play in the dirt. That can't, that's a problem. And I think maybe have you uh, dealt with that in, uh, in, in your writing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, in, in that respect, not all soil is going to be a good environment, right? Yeah. So dirt, people often refer to dirt as, as soil that we use in the garden, but dirt is just everything. It's the, it's the muck and the, the gubbins around us. Uh, that we we uh, we actually want to embrace. Of course, if you know if you live in an area where there's heavy lead poisoning in your soil, then letting your child do that would be insane. Uh, we we you know we we tend to um, disavow ourselves of a lot of a lot of the uh, responsibility uh, by saying that experts told me to do this, um, therefore I won't use common sense in my own application. Uh, 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 you know, you've got to critically evaluate. You've got to think properly. <laughs> about everything that you do. Mm-hmm. You can't just rely on someone going, this is the right way to do it. Right. And you're going, yes, I, I totally believe it. <laughs> We're a faith-based organization for the most part in our society. So we have to get away from that. We have to allow people a little bit of individual capability to make the right decision. Yeah, and, and a lot of it now is just as people are starting to study more, there probably isn't a huge amount of studies in many areas. You know, I'm thinking like pesticides, glyphosate, how all that affects the the biome at this point. Yeah, there's, there's a one study on glyphosate glyphosate uh, interaction with the bacteria living in cows, mm-hmm. and it wasn't good, right? The, <laughs> you know, at uh, high doses, it can significantly impact their ability to eat grass because <laughs> it kills the bacteria which break down the grass. Um, uh, however, you know, the, the implications for human health, we, we have it's very little evidence of. I mean, 
who needs evidence, right? <laughs> Not <laughs> anymore, it's hard, I guess. It's a hard society. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a harsh world <laughs> out there for a scientist right now, isn't it? It's a very harsh world out there. Um, you know, you try and talk to people about what's actually happening and, you know, how to read evidence and uh, what the studies actually show. And people don't want to hear that. They just want to hear whatever they believe. And it, it's funny, you know, because now we're preaching something which a lot of people uh, are embracing, an idea that, you know, microbes in, in, the, in the healthy environment are good for you and therefore, you know, get out there and do organic gardening and, you know, embrace the world and, and that way. Uh, then people accept it because uh, we're telling them something which, for the most part, a lot of people can get on board with. Well, one of the things you, you, you did in your book and in, in your studies is you studied the Amish. Mm-hmm. And they're re- about that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 I saw a video of you taking papers and putting them in an Amish home to collect the dust that settles there because you want to know what's in that dust and why they're he- healthier than the average pot. They they have very low uh, incidences of uh, asthma, don't they? Yeah, and many other diseases. Um, you know, these are <laughs> families who I mean they they. They eat, and they, they farm organically, they eat a lot of organic food, they drink unpasteurized milk, they, you know, they eat a lot of fermented foods. Um, and, but a lot of people do that. But one thing they, they have over everyone else um, is this interaction with that farming environment. Mm-hmm. Their kids work on the farm before school and after school. Even as babies are strapped to their parents while they're, you know, they're roaming around in the farming environment, their front door is 50 feet from the barn door. And we think that that exposure in that population is incredibly important in helping to shape their immune systems. It's what their ancestors experienced. So their, their immune systems are expecting to see a lot of bacteria from cows and, and horses and, and soil. And so, you know, the, when they get that exposure, they, they, they have a beneficial outcome. You know, um, a lot of the diseases that are prevalent in our society are not prevalent in the Amish. Yeah, we're we're out of time. I mean, I'm fascinated by this, so I'm going to tell people that they should uh, get a VIP ticket and sit in with you uh, this Thursday when uh, Monica Eng uh, asks. I'm, I may I may shovel some questions to Monica uh, to to continue this conversation. I love the idea, though, as you're saying that your body is sitting there receptive. It wants to see this these these the microbiology it's waiting it's going come on folks where is it i need it we need, need it need to get healthier yes. yeah and it and and then it reacts positively that's that's a fascinating yeah. concept uh and i and i certainly hope that more people uh begin to understand it again the title of the book is dirt is good the advantage of germs for your child's developing immune system by dr jack gilbert and rob knight you can, Sandra Blakesley. You can also go to gilbertlab.com. You can go to earthmicrobiome.com. Uh, or you can just go to my website, mikenovak.net. All of that information is there. Uh, Dr. Gilbert, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to meeting you on Thursday. My pleasure. Nice to see you. All right. Have a, great, have a great weekend. Rick DeMaio weather and climate okay. coming up. One of McHenry County's premier sustainability events is coming up, and now's the time to sign up. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place in November, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, 
in decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Peggy and I were there, and I bowled pumpkins for compost. It's a fun way to interact with the green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. This is Tree Keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has Tree Keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree Keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And if you were watching on Facebook, you caught some of that air guitar. <laughs> and, and I did that on purpose. I did that on purpose for my brother, uh, who's listening to the show. He's... Uh, uh, spending the weekend with my cousins, uh, Rita and Peter, and they have a summer cottage in McGregor Bay uh, on the tip of Lake Huron on the Canadian side uh, of Michigan, uh, across Lake Huron. Uh, they're watching on Facebook, so hi. And uh, they wanted, uh, Rita and Peter want to do a shout out and a quick hello. So uh, we are doing a shout out to uh, Reader, Reader, Rita. Rita, Rita, and lovely Pe- Rita, and Peter. That makes no sense. Uh, and my brother Dennis. Uh, so uh, this is not normal. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and we had another shout out too. We didn't a we? Shout out! We we got a wahoo shout out from Amar in Karachi, Pakistan, who's watching us on Facebook. Live. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh oh! Oh, we didn't just lose it. Now we're seeing. Oh, I think we're going to. No, we're we're, we're, we're getting, getting Rick's photo. We're getting Rick DeMaio. Speaking of Rick DeMaio, have we got any other shout-outs before we go to the meteorologist? Uh, we've got uh, Audrey Fisher, who's talking about the Amish having less circadian disruption and less That's melatonin tr- suppression because of light. Didn't think about that, but you're right, Audrey. That's the other thing they do. They there are there are there's less light pollution in the Amish country, and so they don't get that disruption that we get, you know, and, and when you're sitting up at 1 a.m. with your device it's flashing in your face, like, or you know, have the, or mea, have the bright, bright streetlights outside your window. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's with that all in mind, I don't know, Rick, did you catch any of that conversation we had with Dr. Jack Gilbert? That, uh, that was just amazing stuff. He's talking about how germs are really good for you, and you need to play in the dirt, so I hope, and I know you do, you do play in the dirt, don't you? I, I I love the dirt, and uh, on top of that, I'm becoming Amish after today. I like that. <laughs> a conversion. Can I, can, I, can I still play? Can I still 
Can I still play golf and be Amish? Amish, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you yeah, know? I would imagine. Uh, yeah, but only if you walk. Okay. You have to walk it. You have to walk the course. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, everything's And you know me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a walker. You know, I just want to see him um, in one of those little I don't, beers. I don't use a driver, so I'm, I'm good from that standpoint. Right, I do everything... I do everything on the um, on the basic side of life. That's what I like about Rick. We go out to the course, and he doesn't have the driver in his bag. Or if he does, he, nev- he never pulls it out because he says, nope. only bad things can happen when you pull out a driver. <laughs> so, Yeah, yeah. Or, or bug your driver while you're trying to drive. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Amish country, they were basically on the northern edge uh, of the heavy rain that Glance the Chicagoland area on Saturday, but points to the south on Friday. Uh, eastern sections of Illinois, central areas of Indiana, and points on south to so the Amish country, as you know, around the Elkhart, Indiana area, points south right. and eastward. Yeah. Um, four to six inches of rain, and this is really going to put a dent in the ability for farmers to um, harvest their crops uh, over the next several days. They've been doing a lot of that already. We've had an amazing corn and soybean season Due to the fact that we're now up to 36 inches of rain for the year, we're already three inches for the month, and we're at, what, only on the 9th of September? We're running 12 inches above normal. That's phenomenal, Mike and Peg, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, I saw what you just sent. Uh, rainfall since January 1st, 37.27. Which is more than our average rainfall for the year. For the so, year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, we still have... Uh, a, a very wet September ahead of us, although the next five, six days this is not normal. look very dry, uh, mainly because all the action is going to be now focused along the East Coast with uh, the arrival of Hurricane Florence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, the weather gods have decided that you're going to have a really busy week, Rick. Um, and it, it looks like Florence is a serious deal, isn't it? Oh, man. If you look back guys, at the tracks of hurricanes from a historical perspective, um, this is one for the books. This is like Andrew uh, 2.0, but about 100 to about 150 nautical miles further north. This is exactly what Andrew looked like. Wow. Literally just kind of like rolling along, you know, the, the, the easterly trade winds, just kind of staying just barely north of the uh, 79 to 80 degree you know, water in the South Atlantic, and the shear is completely gone, both in the lower levels and the upper levels. And all of a sudden, it's these little, tight, compact tropical storms that don't have much diffluence to them uh, in, a, in a large ring. You have to keep them, you know, have to keep that, you know, diffluent area of cloudiness probably about maybe maybe 150, maybe 200 nautical miles from the center. And you move it across that 82, 83-degree water, and it just literally explodes. So the latest advisory just posted uh, about a half hour ago finally has Hurricane, or at least Florence now, up to a Category 1 hurricane. And you look at this thing, and it's got nothing but danger written all over it. It's going to explode. The models have it up to a Category 4. There's one outlier that doesn't have that does have it to a Category 5 by late Thursday night, all the way down mm-hmm. To 905 millibars, which is basically where Hurricane Katrina was at 902, uh, but it pretty much has it going right into the northern half of the North Carolina coast, uh, pretty much where North Carolina meets up with Virginia, and then it kind of just stalls and sits there. So now you have all these things between 
Is it going to be heavy rain? Is it going to be high winds? Is it going to be a storm surge? Bottom line, it's going to be a major hurricane uh, when it reaches the coast. And now all of a sudden you have Isaac and Helene as well out in the yeah. South Atlantic, but those aren't going to reach the U.S. mainland at this point. Florence definitely will. Wow. Uh, and and there's a, a friend of yours has a bit of advice for how to deal with this hurricane. You cannot sit back and wait for a savior. Okay, just uh, just letting you know. I <laughs> I've been throwing those in uh, today. He's your buddy, I know. That you, 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 and uh, Mister O hang out all the time, don't you? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he's he's finally taken to the trail and you know gotten some grit. Whether or not it does any good, we'll see. I'm we'll get a little worried about rivaling up the other side of the aisle, but that's for another discussion. Yeah. But bottom line, uh, that all the stuff that we've been talking about: warm tropical waters, uh, very very warm early springs. Again, is adding to. Uh, an active hurricane season. This one, obviously, a little bit further north. And then and you have Hurricane Olivia, which is going to splice basically right down the heart of the Hawaiian Islands and I think is going to produce more wind and rain than what happened with Hurricane Lane. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, people say, yeah, but it's September. Isn't it supposed to be kind of quieting down by now? Oddly enough, September 12th annually and climatologically is the maximum so the maximum amount of number of active hurricanes and tropical storms is actually on the 12th of September. Isn't that amazing? It, it is. And uh, I read someplace just the other day, people were saying, somebody was asking, well, Hawaii doesn't usually get these. And uh, somebody else responded, you know, welcome to the new norm. Uh, th- are oh, you, yeah. This is going to happen more often now, isn't it? Yeah. And, and again, it, it, and, I, and I've talked about this before, it's not so much the exact numbers that you see in the ocean. It's, it's how the thermocline, from a, from a horizontal standpoint, begins to get moved northward. So it's not just actual numbers. It's, is the water staying warmer later? Is the, mm-hmm. warmer being, being, is the, war, uh, the warmer water rather being pushed further northward? Because that's what hurricanes like. They like to move over areas where you easily have 80, 81, 82-degree water temperature. And clearly that's the case along the east coast of the United States. A little bit less so once you get north of Hawaii. Those waters never seem to get above 80 degrees, but All right, we need proof it. is in the pudding. We now have Hurricane Florence. All right, give us a short uh, forecast for the week here. Okay, rain not even in the picture from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Still upper 60s today, low 70s tomorrow, mid-70s Tuesday, and staying that way all the way through Friday. It's going to be a busy week. Expect a lot of emails and maybe in a homework assignment. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting for that. Thanks, Rick. Talk to you next week. See you. I want to thank Melinda Myers for being on the show. Dr. Jack Gilbert, of course, Rick DeMaio, uh, Randall, Ellie, Andrew, everybody on staff here. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.